The views expressed on this podcast are those of the participants, not of Reuters News. I think the, the main idea that uh, in 2014, and the biggest difference between 2014 and uh, right now, that all international communities supported us heavily. And we are lucky because in 2014, it was when we start when we try to uh, attract some foreign donors' assistance. It was not an easy exercise. That was Valeria Gontarieva, the former governor of the Central Bank of Ukraine between 2014 and 2017. She describes the state of the banking sector when she took over, why she left under duress, and why the reforms she initiated explained the resilience of Ukraine's financial system during the war. Welcome to The Exchange. I'm Pierre Briançon, a columnist at Reuters Breaking Views. My guest this week is Valeria Gontarieva, who was the governor of the Central Bank of Ukraine between 2014 and 2017. She's widely credited for the radical cleanup of the banking system that allowed the country's finances to be so resilient since the beginning of the Russian invasion. We discussed how she did it, why she then had to leave Kiev and now lives in London, and her perspective on Ukraine's current situation. Listen to our conversation. Valeria, hello. Yes, hello. Thanks for being with us. Yes, hello. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me. I guess my first question would be the reforms you implemented as central banker, top central banker between 2014 and 2017 when you resigned. They have lasted up to this day and people today in Kiev are citing what you did as an example of the type of thing a modern country should do to uh, progress. Are you optimistic that this will last? Yeah, first of all, of course, thank you very much for your compliments. And I'm very proud of all our reforms. And I'd like to tell you that, of course, I was a governor of Central Bank, but I'd like to thanks to all staff that time because, you know, you could not do reform alone. It should be, it's absolutely uh, good team spirit and good professional quality, which allowed us to do these reforms very quickly and efficiently. And thanks to our reforms uh, from the first minute of the war, uh, Ukraine banking system uh, was not collapsed. Uh, moreover, I'd like to tell you that it's just not only reform. Uh, it, it's funny, but also COVID experience help us to uh, work remotely. That's why uh, some uh, officers from Central Bank uh, working even under real bombing and the Ukrainian banks even perform their duty remotely from their homes. Uh, even when uh, offices of their banks were uh, closed. That's why uh, I could tell you that, of course, first of all, it's our reforms. Uh, it's uh, transparency uh, of Ukrainian banking system. It's a very, very good uh, financial uh, financials of our banks uh, allowed it, uh, our banking sector to survive and be really like a, a Swiss watch working. Because uh, when know. we talk when we talk about reforms, we, this must be said. This is a, this is a bit of precaution because what you call reforms was a, in fact, a, a thorough cleaning up of a basically corrupt banking system at the time. Right. Almost 10 years ago. 
Uh, I could tell you that uh, it's it was even more difficult task uh, because uh, clean up Ukrainian uh, banks. It was only one amongst repealers uh, of reforms which we immediately introduced in 2014. Because the first, of course, uh, uh, central bank duty to preserve financial stability. And if your economy in a perfect storm uh, and you know that war started not last year, war started in 2014. And uh, when in one day uh, we lost 15% uh, of our territory and also 20% of our GDP because of, first of all, it was an action of Crimea and after it was real uh, bloody war in our Donbass territory. And uh, all of that was time when we started to do reform. And uh, uh, as you know, that uh, wartime is not a, an excuse not to do reforms. That's why we, during the wartime we started all this reform. And our first reform was how to uh, introduce real macrofinancial stability, what to do. Because when I joined Central Bank, uh, our reserves, net reserves of our country were minus three billion. Uh, dollars. It means country was a bankrupt. Right now, our uh, reserves, currency reserves of our country, $42 billion. And uh, among of them, maybe 25, it's already clean uh, reserves. And it's absolutely different story. That's why the main start of your reforms, it's a macro-financial stability. And what we did is the main achievements of uh, my team. We switched to flexible exchange rate. Also, we switched to new monetary policy of inflation targeting. And the second pillar of our reform was clean up of Ukrainian banking system. And the third pillar of our reform was absolutely revamp of central bank itself. Because with old medieval monster, you could not manage banking system and uh, preserve ma macro financial stability in a country. That's why three pillars of these reforms were done simultaneously, and it's our success story. What, what our audience may not realize at the moment as we speak is that these reforms you, you initiated and implemented came as a considerable personal price because you now, you now live in London. And can you tell us a little bit why you live in London now? Yeah, because uh, in 2017, uh, when all major reforms were already completed, it was my public speech when I said uh, my mission is already completed. And uh, this mission was a real success, but I could not survive anymore because of personal threats to me and my family. And uh, it was even an article in Washington Post uh, with the name of article was she did the major financial reforms and left Central Bank because of death threats. And that's why I left Central Bank. Uh, my contract was for seven years, uh, but after three years, I put my resignation letter and left Central Bank. And officially I was uh, fired only uh, in 2018. 
Uh, on, uh, after 11 months, uh, I didn't even visit Central Bank, but because official resignation should be done uh, by Parliament, I was sitting without any possibility to work. Even Christine Lagarde, the time she said that, uh, Valeria, it's so strange, you could not even join uh, uh, IMF to work uh, and uh, other organization, uh, because she said, Christine Lagarde told me uh, that slavery was eliminated a, a long time ago. That's why why you still could, well, you could not be officially resigned. Uh, so you were forced to stay? Yes. No, no, no. Uh, nobody could force a person to stay. I put my resignation letter. I nominated my first deputy chairman, Jakob Smali, like acting chairman, mm -hmm. and I left Central Bank forever. But 11 months officially. The fact that I was not, but the euro, yes, I was, I, I could not even sign my working contract with any one organization uh, because I was still the governor of Central Bank. That's my, my official resignation only 15th of March 2018. And after that, uh, I uh, took proposal from LSE and joined LSE like uh, a senior visiting fellow. In spite of these problems, these threats, these uh, difficulties you had to, 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 to see those reforms through, in spite of the death threats, your, your house burned to the ground, etc. I mean, these were terrible trials you went through. The reforms survived and they are still explain the solidity of the Ukrainian banking sector. And a lot of banks, I was in Kiev a few months ago, many government officials, central bankers, bankers, quote you and cite you as the example of uh, the type of reforms Ukraine should do. Are you optimistic this will go on? Uh, and what judgment in general do you do you have on uh, uh, what officials are currently doing in Ukraine? Yeah, first of all, uh, of course, I was really proud uh, that uh, this year Central Bank of Ukraine got uh, biggest award among central bank uh, banks. Uh, central, uh, central Banking Magazine mm -hmm. awarded uh, National Bank of Ukraine like a best central bank. Central Bank of the Year. Yeah, I think it's... yeah, in the world, you know, the best. Yeah. And uh, believe me, all my uh, successors, because right now we have a three governors of Central Bank, they will, uh, they immediately sent me congratulations, even uh, Jakob Smali and Shevchenko and Pushni, because uh, I'm very uh, appreciate this recognition, because without our reforms, of course, right now this success story and the best Central Bank of the world could not be even happened. But uh, what I was happy to see is that uh, Governor Shevchenko, uh, from the first minute of war, implemented immediately a contingency plan, uh, which was written by, by us, by our team in 2015, after we, uh, you, you, you know, met all these evils with war, uh, banking sector, uh, with all this turmoil, real perfect storm, we created contingency plan. And... Uh, uh, Central Bank under uh, Gover Governor Shevchenko immediately uh, introduced all these really uh, 
really did everything like in life scenario, not like just in a paper uh, recommendation of contingency planning. And uh, that's why I really appreciate that it's allowed us to survive from the first minute of war. And uh, last year, a uh, new governor, Pushni, right now uh, in place, and uh, I had even, uh, I provided Pushni with my recommendation about monetary policy, exchange rate policy last year. Now, unfortunately, I think that uh, we need uh, some correction to our monetary policy and exchange rate policy, even uh, right now, because the situation is changed and Mm. Why do, do you think that should, uh, for example, liberalize? Yes, of course. Control, yes, of course. Right, right now, yes, I will. We will not be talking about some uh, technicalities uh, like, uh, uh, because it's for central bankers. Let, let's leave it. Uh, this discussion for central bankers. Is uh, it confidential? Uh, um, recommendation could not be confidential because it could be even public. Uh, but again, it's a very, very technical. I think the, the main idea that uh, in 2014, and the biggest difference between 2014 and uh, right now, that all international communities supported us heavily. And we are lucky because in 2014, it was when we start when we try to uh, attract some foreign donors assistance it was not an easy exercise because first of all nobody would like to recognize that it's aggression of russia it was that time everybody tell us you know it's a some separatist it's a, some local conflict right now of course situation is war situation in a war field it's not comparable it's worse but in the same time financial situation right now that 10 times better 10 times better and uh, we because have because of western aid of course because 50 percent of our budget it's a western aid 42 billion of our reserves it's sent to uh, western aid and uh, our future marshall plan and our future uh, build better exercise uh, you know of reconstruction of ukraine because of our international sponsors and donors and it's a main difference from 2014 2015 but all our donors could do that only because we did our reforms because we really mm, created army in 2014 we had no army uh, our real no military in our country you know it was just awful we did not have any macro financial stability we, we, we had absolutely rotten banking sector right now it's a transparent profitable uh, banking sector uh, it's with very well capitalized banking sector so you laid the ground for absolutely it's a for... foundation it's a foundation for our future success and of course do you think do you think more needs to be done a lot of talks about when we talk about the reconstruction of ukraine a lot talk about how much trust international donors whether private investors or or, or governments or, or international organizations, how much trust they should put in, in, in the Ukrainian government pledges to fight corruption. Is there Are there more reforms to be done on the Ukrainian side and which ones are you think the more important, the prior, prior priorities? Uh, you know that some, some people even afraid of award reforms, but reforms it's uh, it's how to do some real improve your efficiency it's not very very dangerous it's about efficiency 
And uh, the, the main idea and my call in 2014 and 2015 was about uh, our court system, about the corruption in our uh, general prosecutor office, uh, about all this uh, absolutely not a normal situation and all these um, security services and police and it was just we needed reforms that time everywhere uh, so, and of course right now we, we continue to require absolutely the same it means that banking sector reform it was a real great success for example a state naftal gas reform that time it also was a good success story even some uh, healthcare reform the first stage of this reform also was a great success but of course when need to do more and especially in court system because it's a shame we still have the same problem with the court system so i think the imf and others should are right to demand more reforms as as the aid keeps yeah frankly speaking they do that if you observe the memorandum of imf it will be 23 structural benchmarks and all of them about uh, with request of reform the main recommendation even to IMF not to technically, uh, you know, observe all this process because uh, Ukrainian government sometimes just tick a box and uh, vote for some law which uh, never, uh, never to be executed in real life. And that's why uh, I, I think all our international partners perfectly understand that. Uh, that's why, uh, you, you know, I always uh, said that Ukraine need a love, but not unconditional love. That's why it's strong. It should be strong conditions. And IMF knows that. But uh, uh, we need to not to close eyes for, for and, uh, you know, for, for, for some violation and uh, of all, all previous reforms and we need not to close eyes for some uh, attempts uh, to revert uh, our uh, anti-corruption reform because right now in our country you could observe that there, there are such attempts okay do you, but do you still do you notice progress in that respect on the part of the current government administration officials in ukraine the ones in charge now do you think there's progress in the direction or do you think you seem, you seem to hint it's a, like more stagnating or they're not I think, it's, it's, yeah, I think it's stagnating and I think that uh, we need to accelerate our efforts, especially when we committed to be a part of European Union. We need to do that uh, very, very, we need to do our homework quickly, quicker and uh, more efficient. That's why it's stagnation and sometimes it's even uh, attempts to reverse some reforms. And you think the government has the the energy, the, the resources to do that in a time of war? Yes, so, uh, as I mentioned, when we did our reform, uh, war is not an excuse. War, it's uh, for you, it's better incentives to do that because you understand what kind of threats you, you, you have and how you should overcome all these threats. That's why absolutely wartime and not excuse not to do reforms. In terms of amounts of money dedicated to, do you think uh, the, the Western donors, Europe and the US mostly, uh, have done enough? They should do more. Or, or how do you and and uh, or and do you worry that at some point there might be, uh, you know, with some 
analysts or people have called Ukraine fatigue in terms of you know, keeping funding Ukraine all these years, although it's not for massive amounts. But... No, I, I, I truly believe that, uh, of course, when we're talking about military support, I'm not a military expert. Uh, for me, it's difficult to say. Well, let's talk if, about economic support. Yes, if financial if uh, some, uh, you know, some uh, aircraft jets uh, should be. Yeah, let's take that aside. Yes, in terms of Let's, yes, let's shrink uh, our yeah. discussion yeah. Uh, to only economic. And from economic point of view, I think it's it's one hundred percent great. Uh, no, not needed anymore because it's uh, more than 50% of our budget. And uh, if you observe the accumulation of our reserves, it's a 42 million billion. And uh, also some projection from central bank right now, it's 49 billion. And I even ask uh, our colleagues why we need uh, such a big uh, reserves. I think we need to eliminate some uh, restrictions and give some fresh air to our business uh, for, for, to really to push business Ukrainian and support Ukrainian business. But it's a different discussion. I think it's absolutely it's enough. Definitely. Maybe our closing question would be how optimistic are you that Ukraine will one day join the European Union? How realistic is it to think about this or how feasible and how quickly could it happen? I remember when I, I was first deputy chairman of ING, it was maybe in 2003, it was our strategic session and mid-term planning session. And I said that in seven years' time, Ukraine will be the part of Europe, because it was my dream even that time in 2003. And when our revolution of dignity started in 2013, which was it prompted, prompted was by European was, questions. Yes, it was uh, just because uh, former President Yanukovych didn't sign our uh, European Association Agreement and Revolution of Dignity started. It's exactly about uh, our willingness of our people to be in a part of Europe. And I'm so proud that finally we are already candidate to European Union. But European Union uh, and uh, Ursula von der Leyen she personally even committed to accept Ukraine if we do our homework. That's why uh, for Central Bank and for Ministry of Finance, I think it's uh, our uh, movement to European Union, it's a main anchor to preserve macro financial stability. That's why it's only my call to government, move the right direction and quickly, be a part of Europe. I think we have no other choice staying in the center of Europe, not to be a part of European Union. No other th other choice. I think we will end on this note. Thank you so much, Valeria Gontariva, and good luck in the coming months and years. Yes, thank you for inviting me. Thanks for tuning in. This podcast was produced by Oliver Taslik in London. Subscribe to The Exchange and our sister podcast, The Views Room, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen. Catch up with more of our views at breakingviews.com or on the X social media site, formerly known as Twitter, where our handle is at breakingviews. I'm Kim Vanell. Join me every morning for a roundup of what's happening at home and around the world. From the front line in Ukraine. Extraordinary how these people adjust and uh, even laugh when you take cover. 
to the heart of U.S. politics. When Trump said that he expected to be arrested, it seems like he was trying to get ahead of the story. We bring you everything you need to know in 10 minutes. For your essential daily briefing, follow Reuters World News wherever you get your podcasts. Podcasts.